0: Welcome to this episode of Collaboration RA. This will be our second edition for Legislative Issues. Today we have with us Terry LaCharty. Terry LaCharty is a fellow radiologic technologist and a radiology practitioner assistant who serves as the chairman for the certifying board of radiology practitioner assistants and is a constituent of New Hampshire. Terry, how are you?
1: I'm well. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I always love getting to visit with you. I know that you and I are close. So thank you for coming on and doing this with us today.
1: It's my pleasure. And thanks for having us. As always, it's an important topic. And so I think it's good. It's going to get some notice.
0: We also have with us Brandy Cussin. Brandy is a fellow radiologic technologist. She currently works in the capacity of doing image quality control. She serves as president for the New Hampshire State Society of Radiologic Technologists, and is the founding member and currently sits as the chair for the New Hampshire State Board. Brandy, thank you for coming on. How are you?
2: I am well. Thank you so much for having me, Marceline. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to visiting with both of you.
0: Okay, so I know that I looked over the law that's going on there in New Hampshire. Explain to me, first of all, how individuals can find this information.
2: You can do a Google search and put in... N-H-M-I-R-T. You can also put in a search for HB2, specifically section 431. And that's the House Budget Bill of 2023.
0: Okay. I actually found it on the ASRT website. So individuals can look for it there as well, too. If you go to their pages where it has the state tracking map, they have a link right there. You can click on it and it takes you directly to it. I know that I've gotten to visit with Terry. Whenever this first came out, I saw it pretty much as soon as the ASRT put it on. It is a very daunting thing to look at because it covers 182 other bills that are on there with it. The other thing that I noticed whenever I was trying to read through it is it's not very specific. And it almost makes it sound like they're just transferring boards. People such as myself that are having a hard time, which I know if I'm having a hard time and I love doing this, it's got to be extremely painful for anybody else who's trying to sort this out. So I'm just going to kind of hand the floor to both of you, fill in those gaps for us, kind of walk us through the very beginning, leading up into today's legislation that's currently trying to be revoked.
2: So I first learned about it because I sit on the state board. Lindsay Courtney, she is the director of OPLC, which is the Office of Public Licensure and Certifications in the state of New Hampshire, alerted us to this. And we had worked with her try and get more information about it or why it was coming out. We weren't very successful just to know that they were going to try and repeal licensure specifically for us. And we've been trying to figure out the reasoning behind it, even just for the other boards, because there's a lot of us that are in the same boat from different professions. And we really haven't gotten much of an answer or much, made much headway with regards to the why. So we just kind of have to focus on the what do we do now. In regards to moving from the board's to an advisory position, that was, I think that's something that they were trying to finish up from previous legislation that didn't make it through before.
0: When did you guys first pass legislation to license and recognize medical imaging and radiation therapy professionals?
2: It was about six years ago when it actually passed through. Okay. Are there
0: currently technologists who are licensed in New Hampshire, or is that still something in the process of being worked on?
2: There are licensed technologists in the state of New Hampshire. In fact, we are on our first uh, renewal session, which means that there are some individuals in the state of New Hampshire have had their license for two years or more, and they're going on to their first renewal, which is wonderful. So then I guess we
0: could estimate roughly four years from its passing, you guys had a board up and running and recognizing these individuals.
2: It was even sooner than that after they passed it, OPLC reached out and we were able to get on the boards. It was a much larger board, so finding members for the board was difficult. We needed x-ray, ultrasound, nuke med, MRI, a radiologist, and then two public members. So we had difficulty in the beginning getting meetings together because the board was just so large.
0: And so now that you guys have progressed, y'all moved through and today you have your technologists who are registered, everything's going great. Where did this change in legislation come from? Do
2: we know? I don't think we know. All I do know, no. and this is very subjective, is that yep. it was not Governor Sununu who helped us in the beginning. It was actually Governor Hassan. Maggie Hassan is a Democrat. And as you know, in the state of New Hampshire, things tend to get very political and we lose sight of the issue at hand sometimes and the importance of the issues just to fight the fight politically. So I think that there's some of that happening right now, which is really unfortunate because Mm -hmm. the general public and patients are, you know, their health and well-being and safety kind of hang in the balance. And that's really unfortunate.
0: Terry, I know that you and I had a couple of discussions in trying to kind of sort out what this all meant. When you were looking at this, and I know you had kind of the same thought process I did. Okay, it looks like it's just moving to a different governing body. As you've gone through and you guys together have collectively talked and sorted things out, can you explain to me what this change would bring if this does go through?
1: Sure. Uh, And just to kind of restate what you just said. So the way I found out about it was I just got an email seeing that anyone who had been licensed in the state of New Hampshire, at a certain point in time, that license would expire. And oh, by the way, this legislation is pending. And like you, I read it to say, really, the authority was being transferred to the OPLC and dissolving the board, I thought, as a cost savings and consolidation of, of resources. Because New Hampshire, we don't have a, a state income tax, we're notoriously known for being a little underfunded on a lot of public things. And I just assumed it was a funding issue and it was consolidation of resources. So I reached out to Brandy and she clarified that for me. And then I, you know, I really dug in, she was kind enough to kind of point me to the line. And as you see, it is a 224 page document covering so many entities. And then it, it is in pretty plain language, it just says completely repeals the board. We will have gone, if this were to pass, from one of the very last states in the country to adopt licensure for medical imaging professionals backwards to basically a free-for-all state where anybody in the state can operate a medical imaging device. And I kind of told this story when the licensure was first being discussed. I'm fairly friendly with the Southern New Hampshire physicians community. And we had a primary care physician whose son was a local policeman. Not trained in anything, but on his days off, he'd come run the x-ray machine for his dad. I attribute this to the assumption that the public makes, just like I made when I read this bill at first. If they're running it, of course they've been checked out. Of course they've been educated. Of course they've been certified. And of course they hold a license. Just not the case. There is a big pocket of unintentional ignorance on the public's part that allow things like this to happen.
0: And I think you bring up a very Good, good, solid point. And something that I actually will be bringing up in a future episode. There is not one patient I meet that does not understand my title. I think if states are going to be allowing individuals without the correct recognition and education that we have as radiologic technologists, that needs to be public information. Mm -hmm. Patients unknowingly go into a hospital and think that everybody's done their part to make sure that everybody's adequately educated and knows how to perform these examinations. And the reality is these poor patients don't realize that's not the case. And those checks and balances when they remove or repeal these licenses actually does bring things backwards. It brings the patient care backwards. It brings image quality backwards. And it's serving nobody in the state in terms of healthcare.
1: Agree. What was discouraging to me the first go round as well was we got a little bit of resistance from some of our own medical colleagues at the beginning who were reluctant because I know how to run an x-ray machine. You know, I just think I should be able to do it. I have a medical certification, but I have no training in medical imaging. Even that was a little bit of a larger heads for Mm -hmm. us, which we've said it a million times We get trivialized throughout the country, at least. I'm not sure about the whole rest of the world, but I'm not sure what we can do to change that. That is clearly, to me, factoring into why this is happening.
2: This is a very good point. And it's one that doesn't get brought up very often. And it was one that was shared by a very smart individual who's been in the business a really long time. His name is Michael Cloutier. So Mm -hmm. he brought up a good point. An imaging professional like myself, if I'm going into an exam room and I'm doing an exam on a patient, like, oh, their pain is here. I have the authority to add on additional views for the sake of the patient, to be able to make decisions on their own like an RT does. We're really at the forefront of helping diagnose these patients because these physicians and providers are not in the room with us when we're doing our imaging. That's a key point that people don't often bring up. We don't need a doctor's order to think outside the box. That only comes from being an imaging professional and having an education, which those people that don't go to school and just are off the street, they don't get that.
0: And you're absolutely right. If you see a fracture, you automatically go joint to joint. So Mm -hmm. if I'm doing a knee x-ray and at the bottom of it, I see a small fracture, I know I need to continue on. I need to go lower. I think the other thing too, in actually hitting both of y'all's topics, the advantage of being a host of a podcast, every single technologist, RA, whoever it is in imaging that has come on with us has compared us to nurses in terms of imagine if our voice was the nurses, they wouldn't treat the nurses this way. We have really done ourselves a huge disservice. We have allowed that to hinder us from thinking we can be as big as them. We can be as loud as them. Absolutely. And I think our profession needs to find that voice. They need to find that encouragement. Because states like New Hampshire need to know who we are. States like Tennessee, they need to know who we are. And the only way they're going to know who we are is by hearing us. They don't know we exist if we don't say anything. A lot of our own imaging community in these states are not actively voicing. And if they could, this would be a non-issue. But I think right now the states are seeing They have an imaging need. Medical imagers are quiet. Let's change the rules.
1: And I think to build on that and kind of go back to something Brandy said earlier, we're in a period right now post-COVID where, you know, I think legislation maybe sees some opportunity to do some things medically because, yeah, maybe everybody knows about it and everybody wants to go to the hearing, but There's there's just a small amount of people that will get there, if any, because staffings are so low, uh, the demand for work is so high that you can't get freed up to attend to these things, you know, which then renders you voiceless and lets things like this pass through unopposed or with very weak opposition.
0: And that's where we need a lot of us because you're absolutely right. A lot of us can't go, but a lot of us can. And if you're rotating out, you know, then it makes it so much easier the other thing is you're seeing this pass through at a faster rate than you ever have in history. Right. And I think a lot of that is they know if they get it through quicker, they're going to have less opposition. So one, we're not advocating for ourselves. That's a one up for them. Two, they can come in and do it fast and hard and none of us can do it because the three people that are standing up for it, they can't take off of work that quickly. They know that we're boggled down. We're understaffed. We're overworked. Our patient volumes are high. This is a great opportunity for them to say, you know what, let's dummy down education. Let's allow whomever the hospitals see necessary, unbeknownst to patients, and allow them to come in and perform these, as Texas calls it, hazardous and dangerous procedures. Yes, we had hard times, but realizing how to correctly take care of your constituents, your patients, and your state is extremely important. Agreed. So how many more hearings are there going to be that you guys are expecting to come up in New Hampshire? When is the next hearing?
2: It's funny you should ask. Nobody really knows. That's the unfortunate piece. Terry and I were talking offline and it just looks like it's been tabled for the moment or it's continued. So what does that mean, right?
1: Exactly. Does that mean, right, we're pausing or just till tomorrow? It doesn't say, but that status was updated today. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So we won't really know anything until there is an amendment or some sort of revision that's requested to take all of that out. I do believe that that's what the New Hampshire ED&A House Committee was trying to do, was to put together a package to take out all of those pieces. and That could be what they're working on, which is the part that's continued. But again, you know, we put up a good fight and Lindsay Courtney from OPLC did say that they were listening. And they were complaining that their mailboxes were full of emails, which is good, which is good. (laughs) So we're definitely knocking on the door and they're hearing us, but we need to continue the fight. And I think that sometimes that's the hardest piece is continuing, you know, the emails and the contact and being there for the hearings. And in the state of New Hampshire, if you get more than 72 hours notice for a hearing, you're very, very blessed. And how many radiologic technologists do y'all have in the state? So in the state of New Hampshire, I think we're right around 15 or 17 hundred, and out of that, or encompassing that, there's about 2,200 registries that they carry combined.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so that's great revenue for the state.
2: And I think Governor Sununu doesn't want to say that it's a revenue builder, and I'm wondering if he's on the back end, kind of saying, "Well, it costs more to run the board and to license these individuals than it does for the revenue coming in."
1: In you know, a, just a slight different take on what you, you thought was there is you know guardrails are not generating any revenue. Salting the roads aren't generating any revenue. I mean, this is a public safety issue here. So to me, the the cost it's one of the costs of providing a safe and enjoyable state to live in for the residents and you know, the safety so I, of their well being. I don't think that should be the top factor in in thinking about this.
0: So in looking at your state and receiving support. Have the medical imagers in your state been supportive? Have they been coming to a lot of these political calls and sending the emails? Or how is advocacy looking in your state? And especially right now, because this is where y'all need it.
2: I think we could absolutely do better as a whole. There's probably 20, 25 of us that are really kind of driving the bus and sending out the emails. I think that we would be much louder and much more of a force to be reckoned with and get more done legislatively if we had more voices and we just want to flood their email box. And that's really what we need people to do.
0: So you brought up a really good point. And Terry, you were very present with me whenever I fought legislation in Texas. Golly, we blew that out of the water. And it was all grassroots. I mean, I called everybody I knew. I called my parents. I called my parents' friends. I called anybody that I knew that would listen to me. And I made them call anybody that would listen to them and so forth and so on. But I'm very much a person who tries to give back in moments. So I think people saw in return, it was huge, huge. And I think if our other states can find that passion, the part that makes it hard is right now, we are a little disconnected from one another. And it's very easy to do. We have families, we have work, we have distractions. You know, a lot of us are tired. They don't want to advocate. But I think being what a lot of people say, keyboard warriors, and and the ASRT even has it on their website. It's so simple. You log in. All you have to do is text that to 100 people. I need you to do me a favor, click on this link, and it does all the work for them. Encouraging people that, yes, I know you're busy. I understand it. But this is extremely important, and it takes two minutes of your time, if even that. To just go in, put your name, your address and send it off because it does make a huge impact because the number one thing that legislators are listening to is their constituents. How is this going to affect the people who vote for them? And if you don't have that voice to them, they don't know that and they don't understand radiology. We as radiology professionals don't even understand all of radiology. You know, so how can you expect a legislator who's never worked possibly in a healthcare setting? to understand what is right for patients and what's not. They don't. They're going to have to trust the individuals who are talking to them.
1: On that note, I just wanted to kind of add in here is I've I've reached out to all the folks that Brandy identified as the the main people, the governor, Courtney Lindsay there from OPLC. I also reached out to my locals from my district who both live in my town. Every request I make or you know, email I send, I request that they contact me personally because I want to educate them. I want to sit down and talk with them so that then they can share this with their fellow members of Congress. Not one of them email replies back saying, I got it or just nothing. So to me, that's a little bit discouraging as well. In the bigger scheme of things of trying to engage a lot of people, I'd feel a little bit like maybe my voice isn't getting heard. What am I doing here? It it is a little bit frustrating to fight against a machine like that.
0: And you're 100% right. And it's happened to me. As a matter of fact, this year, I was trying to advocate for MARCA and I asked for our legislators here in the DFW area to meet with me. And I spoke with their staffer and I said, I am your constituent and you're telling me you won't talk to me. You're 100% right there. So Brandy, Terry, what are the next steps or how can individuals engage with you all? so that they can become better advocates themselves. I think that's also part of the issue at hand is a lot of us don't know, who do we get in contact with to advocate? Do they reach out to your state board to be able to come in and support you all?
2: I think the easiest way, and what we've been trying to get people to drive towards is social media, putting in links. You can also reach out to ASRT. They have grassroots information there for you, like you had mentioned earlier and click on a link and send the information and they'll take care of it from there. But we have nhsrt.net, which is our New Hampshire Society of RTs. We do post stuff in there. We also post stuff on the Facebook page. You can just kind of check in on those three main sources, you know, for the next couple of weeks until we have a definitive yes or no. That would be extremely helpful. And the content of an email or a letter can be the same for everybody. You do not need to recreate the wheel. It's just about how many email boxes you can touch.
0: Absolutely. And phone calls and just anything to voice who you are. And it has an amazingly huge impact. And I would really like to challenge everybody to just send out one email. That's all we want. That's all we're asking. To me, it is a very important pathway in my future. What if I want to live there one day? What if my children want to live there one day? What if my family member's there and they're sick and they're going to receive the care at one of these facilities? There are effects to it that I don't think we think outside of our bubble, that it's not going to affect us. Eventually, everything does affect us. If this starts getting approved in one state, it can come to your state who has had licensure for six years and revoke it like that wake-up call. It can happen in any state. It's time for us to realize this is becoming an issue. It was an issue in Tennessee. Now it's an issue in New Hampshire. Where is it going to go next? I think that that's really important. I'm also going to include the links to you guys' website, your Facebook page. I will also include the licensure information. And then I'm also going to try to upload the bill where they can find it and where they can follow it. Any advice that either of you have for our listeners or anything that you want to say to them before we cut out?
1: I, I guess I'll just request kind of to echo the the episode you did recently, asking for no one to do anything heroic, but do the bare minimum that you'd expect to be done in a profession. Send your email. And then if you want to take it one step further, send that same email to, like you said, all your family, your friends. It can be anyone who lives in the state. They don't have to be medical imaging professionals because it's a numbers game, right? So 100 people, we can get 100 emails from me and then 100 from everybody that's doing it. You know, 1,500 times 100, you've got 150,000 emails going in. Now we're going to get some eyes open. So just do what you should do. Send out that email and try and and get a a group of people together to do it with you.
2: The voice is definitely louder when we're heard together than when we're heard separately. So really driving that point home is to really make a concerted effort to just send one email. Like everybody said, you can do one, two, have, you know, other people do it for you or with you.
0: Whenever I was doing all of my advocacy, people heard from me probably way more than they wanted to. I lost zero friends over it. Matter of fact, I probably gained a lot of different friendships that I didn't have before. And so I think a lot of people think that if they send this out, they're going to annoy their loved ones or friends or family. I think we also discredit how much people are willing to support us and assuming that they just won't do it. You'll be really, really surprised at how many people will come to your aid. When you ask them for a favor and they know that it has to do with your career, there's like way more to it than just supporting legislation. I think it's supporting one another. To our listeners, thank you so much for everybody who's been tuning in, for everybody who's been supporting us. The amazing amount of support that we've had and really just pulling things through in other states has been phenomenal. We appreciate everybody who listens to us, who comments, likes, shares, and subscribes.
2: Yeah, thank you, Marceline. I appreciate the time and the opportunity.
0: So that will do it for this week's legislative edition. I hope that you guys have an excellent week.